Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast. Hosted by me, Brenda Gonzalez, a political nerd and nonprofit capacity builder. And me, Ana Sheila Victorino, a queer well-being enthusiast and mindset coach. We are a Latinx empowerment podcast discussing politics, culture, and how to keep your calma with well-being practices and self-love. Welcome to the show. Well, hello, hello. Welcome back to the full Tamarindo, this time with Ana Sheila, as we welcome Hispanic Heritage Month. We don't like Hispanic. We like to say Latinx Heritage Month, or we like to say Latine Heritage Month. But you know what I mean. It's that time of year. How are you, Ana Sheila? It's that time of year. Well, I feel like it's, well, first of all, I am so excited to be back, y'all. We had maybe one of the longest breaks that we've had, but I feel excited. I feel energized. We've got some exciting interviews coming up this season. And I feel like we're about to get really busy. So I'm just trying to soak up this last sort of energizing, restorative time before it gets wild. Because y'all, you know, everybody's reaching out right now for <laughs> for all the things in September and October. But um, beyond that, I'm in, in my feels, Brenda, because I just had uh, the honor of interviewing our guest for today's show. And it was such a lovely, beautiful interview. So our guest today is Miami Ray's writer and director, H. Alberto. Their new film, Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe, is out now. She is a Sundance episodic lap fellow. She was most recently featured on Variety's 10 Directors to Watch for 2022 and IndieWire's 22 Rising Female Filmmakers to Watch in 2022. So Brenda and I got to see this film, and it is such a beautiful coming-of-age film based on the book by Benjamin Alire Sainz about two young queer Mexican boys with also appearances from Eva Langoria and Eugenio Derbez. So Brenda, I, I want to ask, is there anything you want to share about your experience watching the film? Yeah, I want to back up and let folks know that we had an opportunity to see this film before it came out because we were just part of Raizado Fest, which I think really officially kicks off Hispanic Heritage Month, even though it's in August. And, you know, we're, we're pretty much expanding. It starts in August, y'all. And we had this phenomenal opportunity to participate in this event, which we love. We, we were able to teach a meditation class. We were able to teach a workout class. We were able to connect with so many amazing people that have been guests of Tamarindo and also got are going to be guests of Tamarindo. It's actually a wonderful place to connect with so many amazing leaders. And part of the festival was being able to preview great films. Ana Sheila saw another gorgeous film, and I was able to see this one in theaters. At, the, at Raizado Fest, Ana Sheila was able to then see it separately a little after. And this movie was just so beautiful. I had already heard a lot of buzz about um, Aristotle and Dante, but when I got to see it in person and, of course, hear from H, it was just what a beautiful film. I cried. I was very moved. It It is full of surprises. It is also not not just about this queer love story, but it also is about coming of age. It's also a bit about navigating your place in the universe. It's also about how to communicate with your parents when they don't communicate or you don't speak the same language or you're not culturally aligned. It is about so many things about the Latino experience. It is about El Paso, a beautiful location. So this film was just absolutely magic. What were your feelings, Ana Sheila? 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say more than what you just shared, Brenda, but echoing all that, and, and it obviously it really resonated with me, and it really took me back to being 15 and, and being a, a queer who was just discovering it, right? And my own feelings and struggles beyond that identity. Um, you know, being a teen can be really exciting. You start to discover yourself, start to really find passions, but it can also be really confusing and, and difficult, which we see in, in this film, right? So uh, we wanted to actually spend a few moments and minutes talking talking about what it was like for us growing up, um, you know, being Mexican teens where, where we live. So, Brenda, just curious, what, what excited you? What do you remember about being a teen? What excited you? What were you struggling with? I don't know if I was excited. I don't know. I don't know if any of us were very excited at that age. Well, let's see. These characters are probably early high school. Maybe they're 14, 15. So I'm thinking back to that age. And again, this is a this is the kickoff Hispanic Heritage Month. So kind of thinking about the 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 idea of identity and coming into our own. I would say that around that time, one one change that I could notice in when I'm putting my Hispanic Heritage Month hat on, is that I think I, I noticed that in high school, early high school is when I, most of my friends started to be Latino. Whereas before it was a little bit more of a mix or I wasn't very conscious of that. And then here we are in high school and I just see this grouping occurring. So that's one thing that stands out as I think about coming of age at that time. I think, too, what was happening for me was starting to form my political identity, not knowing at the time, like at all, anything that I do now. But one one memory that stands out, actually, Anna Shayla and I, we sort of talked about this briefly as we were gearing up for this season. But one of the things that I got to do in high school around that time was participate in something called Promoting Unity and Social Harmony, PUSH. And this was, <laughs> I now know, looking back, I now know what, what more about it, but it was part of the um, Orange County Human Relations. It was all about building racial relationships and strengthening mm. racial relationships in Orange County, which if you all know anything about Orange County, the history is not great, okay? <laughs> and one of the activities when I got to go to PUSH was we all lined up in a row and there was an activity where the instructor said, if your parents took you in a museum, take one step forward. You know, if, you're, if your parents are college educated, take one step forward. All these sort of things that I didn't know were privileges. And at the end, you, you see the, the group spread out. And of course, you have white men, <laughs> white boys at the kind of at the front end. I was somewhere in the middle, but it was a really powerful exercise to recognize some of the privileges that I have, even though I was undocumented, even though I have, I'm an immigrant, even though I come from Mexico, which our former president called is where rapists are coming from. So I think those are the, the things that, that come to mind as I think about the Latin, la Latino experience and being of that age and how it relates to this movie, which of course talks about so many different things. But as I also mentioned, it, it is also about the Latino experience and, and maybe even differences with, um, education attainment and your place in society. So those are some of the thoughts that come to mind. But I'd love to hear what it was like for you, Ana Sheila, to be a young teen. Yeah, no, well, thank you for, for sharing those reflections, Brenda. And I think that I like that that nuance, which we also see reflected in, in the characters in this in this movie when you all get to see it. Um, so to paint a picture, what was it like for me? So I was living in Riverside when I was in, in high school. Riverside is an, a, a city in uh, an hour-ish or it can be up to two and a half hours with traffic, y'all. But anyways, about 60 <laughs> miles southeast of Los Angeles. Um, it is very hot there. Uh, there. There is a significant Latino and, and Mexican population there. But so when I was living there, um, what I remember is 
that I was trying to, I was doing a lot of acting. I was doing a lot of acting, a lot of performing. Um, I was wanting to, you know, my school was low to, to middle income. So I was trying to, it wasn't somewhere that it was cool. I don't, is, was there, is there, are there places where it was cool to be smart in high school? I don't know, but not where I went to school. So I was wanting to hide. I was smart. I didn't want people to know that because I had been a huge nerd in middle school and it had not done what it wasn't good for me and socially in middle school. So I was like, I need to hide that I'm smart as much as possible. That was one thing. I was wanting to appear like a well-educated Mexican immigrant. Like I wanted to move around the world and folks to think that I was like, you know, pues sí, que me portaba bien, que I was an upstanding citizen so that people thought that I deserved to be in this country. So I remember thinking, so, you know, you're grown, you're grown as it, you're obviously we're kids, but you're also grown. And so I was very much already thinking about how I wanted to present myself to the world and that I was wearing this mantle of an immigrant. Um, I also realized I was gay and I was, once I realized that I also then started to hide that. And what that also meant is that I And I, and I feel like that was the beginning of a lot of hiding, right? And, and, and a lot that I did with my family and other folks that lasted a long time. And then along with that sort of performing femininity to overcompensate for folks maybe finding out that I, I was queer. So I was very much, in order to fit in, um, was really trying to perform in a, in a, in a certain way. So, um, and I saw, the, I saw the benefits of that and it felt me, it helped me feel safe at a time where, I don't know. I, I didn't feel I had felt not safe before. So sort of performing made me feel a little bit safer. So, yeah, 15 was was me just trying to perform for other people. And I, and I send a lot of love to, um, you know, my, that a little Ana Sheila, but also all, all the teens that regardless of whether you're queer or not, like I think a lot of us are performing and, and trying to do the best we can to get through. I think what, what for, for most kids is, is a difficult period, right? Yes. And that's why this movie, this movie is so beautiful, even though it takes place in the 80s. There's so many different themes that could that I'm sure all audiences will find relatable. So um, should we hear your conversation with the creators behind this amazing project? Yes, let's do it. We are so excited to have writer and director H. Alberto Antamarindo. H. directed the gorgeous, gorgeous film. There's no better word for it. Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe now officially out in theaters. I know you have a grueling press schedule right now, and I appreciate you making the time, H. Thank you so much for being on Tamarindo. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, I wanted to make sure this happens. I mean, we got to support each other. Latinas supporting each other is essential. It's essential to our progress. It's essential to our success. So I really wanted to show up for this. Yes, thank you. It really does feel like that. So let's get right into it. I know we don't have a lot of time. So the movie is a book adaptation of the novel by Benjamin Alida Sainz. And you said of the book after reading it, I was a different person. I read it cover to cover and it affected me to my core. At the time, I didn't understand the journey I would take, but sometimes you just jump in because life is inviting you to. So I want to ask, what did this book do for you and how did that then manifest itself into you writing the film adaptation and, and directing the film? I think that perspective is obviously in hindsight, right? It's going on the journey of like what the book meant to me, why it spoke to me. In that moment, it was just this very like, visceral reaction um, on the surface. It was a story that was playing against tropes and stereotypes when it came to Latinidad. 
when it came to queerness, when it came to so many themes that are important to me. I thought it was, um, you know, a reflection of self through a very specific cultural lens where it didn't other the characters in the film, in the book. And I wanted, that's what I was passionate about. And then going on this personal journey of it taking a really long time to make this film, I went through my own evolution, my own acceptance, which was also a mirror of these characters, specifically Aristotle. But like, I didn't realize that that was the subconscious, right? That was the thing that was speaking to me. Um, the invitations for my ex my own acceptance, um, which is what also like in order to kind of like arrive at that is what in turn made me, I think, ready and prepared to be the person at the helm of the story, um, to be able to at least honor the love that it had in it um, because I was reflecting that back to myself. So the lens that I was able to approach it with um, I think would have been very different had I been given the opportunity to um, direct this and adapt this at the beginning of my journey when I first read this. Mm, thank you for sharing that. I love that um, as an invitation to to acceptance. And I think, y'all, when you watch this film, whether you're queer or not, like that's I think that's a big takeaway from the story. And I want to ask you, how would you describe the story to folks? Yeah. And I also want to like, we talk about the queerness of it and it's like obviously there because it's a, it's a perspective shift and it's like different. Right. But I think to me and like the way I try to approach it, the way I try to approach my life is like, I don't want to be othered for like an aspect of my identity. I want to make sure that like, that's not how people are leading, uh, talking about me or how I talk about myself and how I talk about this story. What I, I, I'm so passionate about and what I think Ari does within the story is that he claims love, right? It's it's a yeah. sort of like love transcends and that that transcends identity in however you could distill the story or distill me. Like love is at the root of it. And like, I want to make sure that that's um, sort of like what we're talking about at the forefront of it. You know, when, we, when they talk about me in the press lately, it's like trans director. And it really irritates me because it's like, I'm a director. We never say male director directs film. And I want to make sure that we're shifting that language as much as possible. And if I'm given the opportunity that we're talking about it, because that's how we sort of like normalize, because I'm, I'm not another, you know, I'm, I'm a right. formidable being that is a contributor to society. And my identity is my, it informs my perspective, but it is in my whole story. So yes, sorry, what was your question? I wanted to make sure. Yes, that that all was the, all the snaps to that. No, thank you for, thank you for sharing that. Um, I asked how you would describe this story and what this story is, ab is about. I think that also like informs that, right? To me, right. this is a story about, um, it's not only about love, romantic love, familial love, about self-love, but it is very, it's that very thing of like noticing the love that we have around us, accepting that love, and then letting that love inform how we move in the world. That's how I would yes. describe this story because that's very much the journey. I think at the beginning of this film, these two characters have, we all do, right? We have the option to be picking fear or love and we mm -hmm. see the embodying them picking the other, right? Dante right. is very fearless because he's so rooted in love, which is a reflection of like how he's growing up in his family. And then Ari is so deeply in the trenches of fear. And um, as we sort of evolve within the story, we see that the only option to truly like see the magic around us 
is to choose love because that was also really important to me is to create a world that was grounded but where magic is possible so i know that's a long-winded yeah. answer but i think those are like pieces of how i would describe this story no it, it it's such a beautiful answer and um i think that that reflects on so many of our journeys like i think that's so well said about it being about choosing love and that I think for a lot of adults, it's us learning how to choose love because a lot of us didn't do that when we were growing up, regardless of, again, regardless of whether you're queer or not, we're often betraying ourselves for some, for others, right? And I think, and I remember, and I think you you really showed that journey for Aristotle so beautifully because like, you see him at the end, you're like, wow, this, of course, there's much ahead for him, but just to see him at the end and see where he is and how he's chosen love. And in that moment, you know, it's just... It's so beautiful, and and I and I resonated so much with Aristotle, and I and I remember kind of feeling a little pissed at Dante, like kind of being a little jealous and pissed. I'm like, well, it's so easy for you, and obviously it's not, you know, it's not easy. But I just remember, you know, kind of feeling more resonating more with Aristotle, and, and it taking time to to get to that place, and it not being so easy to choose love, you know. It's not. And I think like at the beginning, the delusional version of me thought I was like very much a Dante, but like in the reality, I, in reality, I was very much an Aristotle. And like that realization also like freed me of so many things. You know, what I've learned is that we never arrive at anything. It's sort of yeah. like how do we live with the ugly? How do we keep evolving from the yeah. place that we're in? But there's never like landing in a moment where like, ooh, I'm fixed. Everything's yeah. right. You know, and like, I think that's also like in the film, it's influenced by culture. I think our culture, like specifically, we have a lot of learning and sort of growing and, and unlearning um, when it comes to that. And I think that's like the generational reflection in both of these boys where the parents are such a big part of their journeys and how they exist in the world and how they inhabit that. Um, yeah. And us are, you know, generationally, we're sort of breaking that cycle because like our parents often have to come from like a place of strict survival mode and assimilation. And like, we're giving ourselves the opportunity to kind of evolve in that and like to see the love around this a little bit more. Um, so we're not in so deeply rooted in fear, which is not an easy journey to go on. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, so you shared that a goal of yours for the film is to help, so this is another big theme, but help redefine masculine, masculinity specifically for the Latinx community. And I think this concept of femininity and masculinity, it's, it's, you know, it's complex, it's confusing, it's misunderstood, it's talked about in so many different ways. And then I think you add being queer, and I'm speaking from my perspective, but I think a majority of us often feel outside of these traditional views of femininity and masculinity, and, and we struggle with that. Like, how many of us have performed femininity or masculinity trying to fit in? And of course, whether you're queer or not, a lot of have we've performed this, right? So I wanted to ask you to expand on what message around masculinity you wanted to share through your through your storytelling. And then I'm, I'm curious how your own relationship with masculinity has, has changed. Uh, yeah, that's a, we could have a whole. <laughs> right. We could, we could. <laughs> I would love to have, because I think it's, such, I'm fascinated by sort of female male dynamics, by yeah. the masculinity and gender alone. Like, I yeah. think there's so much back there and like, we haven't even like scratched the surface, but yeah. um, 
within this, like my approach was like, how do we approach these characters that we don't often see in front of the camera that we see through a more violent lens? How do I flip that on its head and bring it more sensitive, more compassionate, more empathetic, and in turn, by definition, a more feminine lens? And it's not in the like behavior of femininity, it's in the energy of femininity, right? Which is something that like, I think I'm still um, very much learning. Like I'm attracted to cis hetero men and you know the male female dynamics of how we've like culturally been taught is very interesting and what i notice is that women that are in leading in positions of leadership or that are stronger women have a harder time finding a dynamic that works for them um which is its own conversation right right right, right, it, right. It's, um it's it's something that I'm always questioning and curious about. But when it came specifically to this story, it was how do I even in my casting, like how am I always embodying that? Veronica Falcon, who plays Aries' mom, has this like raspy sort of masculine voice, and yeah. the way she sort of exists, she's a strong woman. And Sam, played by Kevin Alejandro, has this more like you know, traditionally feminine approach. He's a writer, he's softer. So I was always, I'm always trying to shine a lens on that, even if it's subconscious, if it's subtle, of how I'm presenting that. And in turn, I'm redefining that, right? Because, you know, we're not, we're seeing another example. We're seeing another reflection of what it could be. And that's what this story was so, I was so passionate about telling, was how do we give our community, specific the, specifically the men in our community, another option of how they could see themselves, of how they could see their kids that may be othered or different. Um, because I think, you know, historically, our stories being told by other people have been so you know, whittled down or distilled to one aspect of us. And that's often a violent one. And it was very important to me that my lens was as feminine as possible and that the masculinity was just innately there. That this like yeah. idea of a masculine man could also cry. Um, so it was just like authentically and like subtly trying to like bring a mirror to those things without you know, being super obvious or overt that those were themes that I was exploring. Yeah, I love that. And then, yeah, so I'm curious if maybe throughout this film or, or, or just in your own journey, how your relationship with, you know, the, the notions of femininity, masculinity have changed. Well, I performed masculinity or like a version of it for so long that right. I, like, <laughs> I have an aversion of it now. Mm. Uh, within myself, I've fully embodied and stepped in, stepped into my feminine, but it doesn't mean that like the strength of a woman is not in me, which we oft, often want to say is masculine. Masculine, right? Uh, I think we need that masculine energy to survive in the world, and that's just a fact. And me, as who I am and who I embody, I'm so grateful that I have that. Um, but I refuse to be a victim to it. And I refuse to sort of placate to a version that uh, people expect of me. Um, I I think the most radical thing I've done is sort of like accept every aspect of myself. And that's something that I do on a daily basis. And that comes with the acceptance of like where I'm feminine and where I'm masculine. And that's just like what's true for me. And yeah. in turn, that like redefines it for people. Um, but I try not to concern myself too much on like what people's expectations are, which wasn't always true, but I just did yeah. it for so long that I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I love that you said, um, you know, strength being 
a feminine characteristic. And and, I, and I'm no expert on, on notions of this, right? But I think that I, I had a a friend who who identifies as, as non-binary, and and we were talking about this, and and they and they spoke about you know strength being how they've the strength they've been connecting with feels like a feminine trait, like part of their femininity. And I was like, yeah, why have I never thought of it like that? And it kind of opened up my mind to think about this differently. And I started seeing, yeah, how, how I had been thinking about how I myself had sort of as someone that's queer and, and I think tried to perform femininity for, for so long and is now kind of figuring out what they are, um, like how I also had an aversion to femininity and, and was seeing a lot of negativity in it that, that wasn't there, right? Because we were sort of taught that too, right? Yes. This, yes. We, I mean, yeah, we could go on and on about this, right? No, and I kind of want to. It's like softness, too. Like the examples that yeah. I saw growing up, my mom and my grandmother were the like the, 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 the people that raised me and that were in my life really actively. And they always had this softness to them. Yeah. I always felt people took advantage of, right? And in in discovering the woman that I am in the world, I was I had this aversion to softness. Mm. without realizing that their softness was their greatest strength. And yeah. that to me was like, I'm really trying to adopt that now in the realization of that. It's like, how am I in my softness strong? Because that is just so powerful. Um, and that's something that I don't know if I'm ever going to land there, but I'm really trying to implement that as much as possible. And it's also getting out of a survival mode mentality, which often happens to us as the other, as someone who has a different perspective on life, is um, we're constantly think we have to be in survival mode. So it's like every opportunity, how am I inviting myself to be soft, which is feminine, and which is also really strong. strong. And if you take us back, mm -hmm. there's um, women are just for, like they're the strength that often mothers specifically have is uncomparable and that comes with this gentleness that they have to have obviously that's ge i'm generalizing yes but there is like this feminine strength in 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 the women in my life that i it took me a long time to realize and then accept within myself and learn how to be like that because i'm just yes. like constantly and i'm I'm ready to fight at any given moment. I'm born and raised in Miami. So there's also that added mm. layer, you know, um, of place of how the, the place influences how you move in the world. Yes. So shout out to the women you know. in our lives and our families, our mothers who have displayed such a soft strength. And and a lot of the times we didn't give them the credit they deserve, and they they still deserve way more credit that we can that we we can't ever speak to. <laughs> Never, I don't think I could ever get it. But I would always be like, I can't be like that. Look how people talk to you. Look how people do. And there was just such this like, I don't give a fuck softness that was like when I landed yeah. on, I was like, holy shit, like that's where it's at. Like that's the key, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I have to say watching this this film was really emotional for me. I, I, I was a, a queer teen in the 2000s. So, um, you know, decades after the setting of, of this movie. And and like I shared, I, I really related to, to Aristotle's struggles. But I, I, I wish I had a film like this when I when I was growing up. I wish I had a Dante, <laughs> but I didn't because mm -hmm. I, I don't know, you know, if I had seen this when I was 15 and, and I was, you know, c coming out to myself, not not to anyone else, but to myself. And had I seen that perhaps my parents would have been okay 
right? Like that this would have been okay, that this was a possibility, then maybe I wouldn't have been so scared. So I, I'm, I'm thankful. I know this, you know, there's universal themes in this movie for, for anyone, but I, but I do really appreciate the lens, um, you know, um, and so I'm, I'm, and I'm curious, what, what is your, your hope for this film? What do you, what do you hope it, it does? Yeah, I think that like the universal theme is that queerness could, is a different thing for someone else, right? I think it's like a right. different thing you have to accept and negotiate within yourself. Um, it doesn't like that's where the universal theme lies. It is, it is like that's the journey that we're witnessing. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm so happy that you were able to kind of like maybe there was a little healing that happened too, because I think that's also why I made it for myself. Uh, I'm hopeful that this is the beginning of a conversation, a multi-generational conversation. And I think more than anything, we really see in the story and in the film how important it is to use our voices, how important it is to tell people we love them, to make sure that we're giving people permission to see themselves. Um, Because I think we often take that for granted and i think that's what we see in the movie right i think there's a realization if like these people don't step in and they don't use their voice they can make a similar mistake without spoiling it a similar mistake that they made in their past and that's what i hope happens i hope this is like people are like oh i need to talk i need to talk to my mom i need to talk to my dad and that we also have a little more gentleness around the people around us that maybe don't know how to do it. And we could help guide them too. Um, that comes to like our parents. Um, it doesn't have to be like the parent with the child. I think for us, we, um, we may need, I know I'll speak for myself specifically, like there has been moments where I've had to like sort of guide my parents on how to parent me. And it's mm-hmm. because they didn't have the tools. They weren't taught. Um, which goes back to this other cultural conversation of how it is. And like, I hope that all of that is sort of an invitation to a beginning of a conversation. I love that. I love that. Speaking about it as, as an invitation and, and also having grace for each other. Right. Yeah. Because because we are, you know, there are a lot of different generations living at the same time and, and yeah. we didn't have the same tools in the same language. And so we could really be trying, but we don't always have the capa- the same capacity. Right. So can we be honoring of, of that? too right in our conversations and it may look different than we expect it to look you know and like it's important to kind of check in with that i think that hopefully people are inspired to kind of walk out of the not only have a more open heart and open mind but to with a different lens of how they see the people around them yes and and i think what sticks out to me is as we as i hope and and i know you hope is that that we can keep choosing choosing love and that we know how hard that can be and so doing what you need to do so that you can choose love if that means finding that community that family whether it's blood or not blood the people around you that will allow you and make you feel safe to choose love right that's beautifully and perfectly said <laughs> thank you um well thank you for the inspiration but i i want to ask our, our last three questions that we love to ask our, our guests our rapid fire questions are matraca basura and calma so i'd love to ask you what do you want to give your matraca to right now so what are you loving what are you grateful for what's making you smile right now I think where I'm at right now, it's like absolutely insane that this is all happening. Like when I take a step back and realize that this dream I had that I literally just like pursued and made happen is actually existing at this level is 
astonishing to me. And like, we could forget when we're in it and take it for granted, but I'm making sure that I'm taking a step back and like stepping into the moment as much as I can, because this is really exciting for so many communities that I embody. Yes, yes, yes. Celebrate, celebrate. You get to celebrate yourself. You get to celebrate everyone that, you know, that put their work into creating such a beautiful everyone the collaboration it's really exciting so yes that's putting a smile on my face yes um okay what about your basura what do you want to put in the trash right now i think every day i put in the trash this sort of like notion of imposter syndrome i didn't go to film school i didn't like it doesn't look diff i look different than this like all of those things like Every day I'm a, I make a really conscious decision to not let that lead me in any capacity um, and to constantly be using my voice around that, right? So it's uh, it's that. It's, uh, yeah, like the, I, I worked for this. There, I made room for this and th- no one did me any favors, you know? And like that is a constant reminder that I think we could all do um, on a daily basis. Always, always. Okay, and then lastly, what are you giving, uh, what's giving you calma? What's keeping you grounded? I keep noticing that, and like, this is, I've always done this, but I keep calling my abuelita to like check in with her. Like when things are getting a little crazy, like I find myself very subconsciously just calling her and checking in. It's not a very long conversation, but it's like a reminder of like where I came from and Mm. my first sort of like fan and my first person who said I could do it. Mm. Um, So, yeah, it's been really kind of beautiful that she's been around to watch it and that she could witness it because it was one of the things that I always like dreamt. So, yeah, she's bringing me a lot of. Oh, I don't know why that's making me. I mean, I mean, it's making me emotional, but what what a gift. What a gift it is to, to get to share this with your abuelita. That makes that really warms my heart. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, okay. So I just I want to open it up. If there's any last message, you've already shared such beautiful um, gems and nuggets for our listeners. But if there's anything last thing you want to share with the listeners, even if it's just where can folks watch the film, support you, and, and anything else you got going on? Yeah, I'm on social media. Like I'm really active on Instagram. The movie, which is like what I want to drive home, is out in theaters. And I think it's really important that we show up for our stories. Like even if we get it wrong, even if it's not good, the more we show up, the more it becomes undeniable that our stories are valuable. And like it is, I, you know, the film industry is a is an industry rooted in fear. And if we're not proving that from an economic standpoint that our stories are worth it they won't continue to get made so i really just hope people show up yes people y'all y'all need to support this film not just because we need to support our communities because it's really such a beautiful gorgeous film and you're gonna love it so thank you so much h for being on tamarindo we really appreciate your time thank you so much for the space i really appreciate it Y'all, H. Alberto was so wonderful. We're so happy she made the time because she's been on a crazy schedule. If y'all don't know, because of the strikes, she's actually the only person that can promote the film. So none of the stars, you've got Eugenio Derbez, Iva Langoria, they can't actually promote the film. So she's been doing all the promotion. And y'all, this is why it's extra important that we support the films made by our community so they can keep being made. We need these stories, y'all. So please go watch Aristotle and Dante yeah. discover. That's why we're here doing our part. We're here doing our part. <laughs> yes. So y'all watch 
Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe. Yes, I said it. It's like a long title, but y'all, it's so worth it. So, Brenda, we've been off the air for a few months. So I'm curious, what are what's your matraca for the summer? Maybe you have more than one. It's been a few months. What are you really celebrating from the summer? I'm celebrating so many things. I'm glad that we're back. I'm going to go ahead and shamelessly plug again, once again, because it's a, it's a source of a lot of celebration, is the the event that I'm planning with Delcy Sandoval, Encuentro to Puebla, Mexico. If you're listening to this, there's still time to participate because we're collecting deposits of $300 through the end of September. The whole trip is $1,600 if you get your own room or $1,400 if you're willing to share with another Encuentro participant. It is four nights at an amazing, glorious, amazing hotel. This is what I'm most excited about. There's going to be meditation. There's going to be yoga. There's going to be skill building workshops. We're also going to go to Tepoztlan. We're also going to go to Cholula. So that whole thing has been really igniting and making me super excited for this summer. But then in addition to that, one thing that I want to give a matraca to is that, and let's cross our fingers, and I'm going to bring my computer here so I can read this a little better and not like look away. So it looks like there is potential that the Pulitzer board will potentially, at least they're going to examine, looking at the citizenship rule. They're having a meeting this October, and this is a quote from um, the Washington Post from Marjorie Miller, administrator for the prizes, saying there is definitely consensus that citizenship is too restrictive a determination for Americanness. And this is regarding uh, the Pulitzer prize for writing because there's been some phenomenal writers. One of the, uh, it all comes back to Raizado Fest. One of the greatest things that happens at Raizado Fest is that you get to uh, take home amazing books, including, for example, I know you took home Anishela, The Undocumented Americans. And there's other amazing books from folks that, um, that at some point were not citizens or may not be citizens. There's amazing great writers in this country that have been here their entire time. They are they are American in any way, shape, in every shape of the word, but are still ineligible for so many prizes that require citizenship. So um, that's another matraca this summer is just the the that discussion raising and being elevated, and then the potential. It looks like the hope that there might be some modifications for that. So matraca to that. I love that. What is your matraca of the summer? Well, I just want to say that thanks to Raizado, I'm reading again. Picked up books again. I'm reading two books right now. So I'm reading Old Good Dies Dreaming, which I'm picking up. I bought it a long time ago, picking it back up. And I'm reading The Undocumented Americans. So thank you, Raizado, for the free books because books are expensive, y'all. <laughs> este, but my matracas, my matracas, I, I think really for the summer, it's really um, just love and, and, and community and community being love and uh raisado i gotta give it to raisado it's it's such a magical experience um and then the other one baja beach fest which is a it's a weekend reggaeton festival that i've gone to four years and if y'all know me the fact that i would pay this much to go to festival that didn't used to be me that that's not something i would pay a lot of money for but i pay that much money for i didn't go to a wedding y'all to go to this and 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 the reason and the reason um I do it is because not not only do we get to celebrate reggaeton, which all the friends that I go with, we've been listening since we were 15, so like 20 years ago plus, um, and and the, all the new folks. So it's a beautiful that they bring all the OGs, like they had Don Omar, they had Evie Queen, but then they have Osuna, they have Young Miko, they have, so it's beautiful. The music is beautiful. You're on the beach. But more than that, it's the, the community and the friendship that I've formed with these folks. And 
And just realizing how important it's been and how beautiful it's been to foster and nurture adult friendships, especially with Latinos, especially with with queers and in a way that now is so much truer to who I am and what I need. And, and like, you know, so it just feels really beautiful to be inspired and be in community at these events and spaces that it really feels like we're lifting each other up and we're truly trying to see each other win and create healthier, safer, um, better environments for for our comunidad, you know, and, and at a time at a time where it does, you know, we are under, under we're under a lot of economic, social hardships. So to know that we are surrounded by people that are doing the work is very inspiring. También. Yes, beautiful. I love that. I love that. So, do you have a basura for the summer or a calma for the summer? Do you Do you have a basura <laughs> ready for the summer? I mean, I wish I made more money. Basura to my bank account. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? I mean, I feel you on, on that. Just, you know, opportunities that, that didn't, uh, things that I was sowing that, that didn't bloom. But I've tried to look at that as, as, as positively as possible, which, which is the, what I do when, when things don't go the, the way that I hope is, of course, get angry, y'all, feel the feelings. But, I tried to think about, and I guess this is kind of my calma, but like, what does this open me up for? What is this space? What is this pushing me to do? And I think one thing, um, you know, I had a, a contract for, for my company that didn't go through that really turned things around um, in a negative in, in a negative way. Um, but I think what it did, though, it, it pushed me to put myself out there more. So I've been bolder in my presence and like different events that I've been doing, you know, whether it's performing or speaking, things that in the past required a lot more for me to be able to do. I've just been throwing myself porque I'm like, all right, like, you know, you have this time and this space and, and you really trying to make things happen. So, pues a ver, aviéntate. And so that's kind of the the how I've sort of been transforming the basura in, in, into a calma. Like, what is this space? What does this allow me to do that I didn't see before? Beautiful. Well, that's great. I will say that one of the other like basuras-ish that that are sort of on my list that maybe we can reflect on just briefly. But I want to briefly just say a basura of the summer is the news that the, um, you know, Futuro Media, which is a podcast network that we love. It's a nonprofit podcast network. I make in the fact that they had to have tremendous layoffs and they're possibly considering shutting down their podcast in the thick and possibly shutting down Latino rebels. And, and and it just makes me want to just pause for a moment, especially as we're thinking about Hispanic Heritage Month, and especially as we're thinking as this vehicle of Tamarindo, of a podcast, as this way that we build community, the way we build connections with amazing, beautiful people, the way we get to elevate amazing work like today's movies and the features of today. It does make me pause a little bit about the state of... Latinos in podcasting, Latinos in media, when this amazing beacon that is Futuro Media had to completely scale back, even though they are award winning. So it is why you all hear a lot more ads on this podcast. It is why all of your favorite podcasts are now littered with ads. And it is if you like what you're hearing, I'm just going to make one plug to let you know that we always accept contributions. We have a place on our website where you can, one of the many ways you can support us, there's many ways you can support us. You can support us by sharing this episode. You can support us by writing a positive Apple podcast review. Those things are so valuable to us. You have no idea. And you can support us with a contribution, whether it's a dollar, $5, whatever feels comfortable to you. 
all of that is helpful. And I want to just pause and reflect on the dangers, <laughs> the threat of Latinos in podcasting, just like everywhere else, especially when you think about the strikes in so many different places and, and newspapers scaling back. There's just so much. There's. We, I want you all to just reflect on how important it is to keep these sort of conversations happening. And we need your support in any way that you can. So that's how I'd love to conclude this Latinx Heritage Month episode. Yeah. And just to echo, Brenda, yeah, thank you for bringing that up because it's hard to pick up basura because, of course, we can find a bunch of basuras that have happened this summer. But I think that that is a really good one to put an exclamation on what's happening um, that we saw this summer as, as the strikes continue and just this attack on Latinos in all industries, because ultimately we are often the ones that get worse hit, right? And I'm also thinking about now hearing about um, the folks that, um, you know, that that worked on striking down affirmative action, right? Like they're now also looking at where else they can sue for folks, you know, giving investor money to to Latinos or, or, or black uh, entrepreneurs. Right. So this is what's happening. So there really is a, an, an attack on services uh, that that help that help our community who need the help. So this this does feel like a very critical time and, and why it's even more important that we do the work that we do, that y'all contribute, that y'all support, that y'all watch these films. Todo lo que puedan hacer. So, so thank you for calling that out, Brenda. Yeah, well, with that, I hope you all love this first episode with both Anna, Sheila, and Brenda. Thank you so much, y'all. Please, uh, ponte un suéter. It is almost the fall. <laughs> we love y'all. Ciao. Besos. Tamarindo Podcast is Brenda Gonzalez and Anna Sheila Victorino with production support from Josie Melendez and Augusto Martinez Delgado of Sonoro Media. Our theme song is by Jeff Ricards. If you like our show, please rate and review Tamarindo Podcast or share an episode with a friend. Besties and welcome to I Am Besties. I'm Stephanie Ramirez and I'm Vanessa Casares. We're two Latinas coming together to create a space for heart-to-heart chit-chats on everything that matters. From relationship advice to empowering women, exploring spiritual insights and healing trauma, we've got it all covered. We're your go-to besties, sharing personal stories and bringing on inspiring guests for an engaging and entertaining listening experience. I Am Besties, where you'll find laughter, love, and a supportive sisterhood. Join us and be a part of the family. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.